Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Hey, welcome back everyone to the Educational AD Podcast. Uh, we're traveling out to the West Coast in my home state, Oregon today. Uh, Nathan Stanley, he's a certified athletic administrator and he's the athletic director at Lake Ridge High School in Lake Oswego, Oregon. Uh, Nate, welcome to the program. Thank you, it's great to be here, Jake. Well, as we've already talked a little bit before we uh, went on the air, uh, it's a busy time for ADs, so we're going to jump right into it. Um, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school and college, and, and maybe how your love of sports led to that first teaching and coaching job. Yeah, so... Uh... Grew up in uh, the Portland uh, metro area in um, uh, Oregon and uh, went to Clackamas High School uh, in the uh, kind of what was Milwaukee, Oregon, and, and the school's actually moved now, but um, to kind of where the community is based out of. But uh, went to Pacific University, so we're both boxers. Um, Absolutely. And I did my undergraduate there. I wrestled um, uh, in college. I was an All-American um, my senior year at 177 pounds um, in that weight class back when that was a weight class. Um, and then uh, got my master's degree, did the MAT, you know, fifth year uh, and got my master's and started coaching. And, um, uh, you know, in terms of uh, for me, you know, I think athletics has always been just such a, a big part of my life. Uh, you know, it's funny, when I was younger, I didn't really kind of perceive myself as being very athletic. And over time, as I became better at things and more competitive, um, it was real sense of, uh, it gave me a lot of confidence and, and um, you know, self esteem those things that we talk about and then of course the relationships that you develop and um, you know for me uh, uh, as I started coaching as a head coach for 18 years 13 as a head wrestling coach and then uh, my last five uh, in coaching I was a head football coach which is a, a real interesting uh, uh, interesting story how that happened but um, I loved uh, doing both and, um, you know, just the, um, the interaction that you get with kids. I love working with coaches. I, I think being an athletic director now, 
um, you know, there's that opportunity for you to be able to, to work with coaches and help with coaches as well as with kids. And um, it's not quite the same as, as coaching, but um, it's still uh, an important um, job and, and one that, you know, as we know, you know, not everyone can do, so. Oh, absolutely. Um, but again, you know, fairly typical pattern. Uh, talk about that transition from being a, a coach and head coach uh, to becoming the athletic director. How did that happen? Yeah, um, it was really interesting. Um, I was, we were, I was in Redmond, Oregon, which is in central Oregon near Bend. If, if people are familiar with uh, the geography of Oregon, it's high desert. So most people think of Western Western Oregon as being typical, which is lots of rain. Um, that was a place where it rains nine inches or less a year. They have th over 300 days of sun, um, but it's cold in the winter. It's hot in the summer. It's, it's uh, a really beautiful place, but it's quite different than uh, Western Oregon and the Portland metro area. And so uh, at one point in time, Redmond was the fastest growing city and the fastest growing county in the country. That was prior to 2008. And so um, our, our city was growing so fast that uh, we had uh, voted to build a new high school. And so the school split. Um, of course, the bond was passed in 2008, right before the uh, financial crisis. And so we went from having 21, 2200 kids in our high school down to about 1600 um, which changed things quite a bit um, in terms of our needs for a new high school. But when the school split, that came for an opportunity. The um, AD position had been an administrative role and it became a TOSA. And so um, I'd been pretty successful as a wrestling coach. And so I wanted, I didn't want to give up coaching at that point because we had a really good team coming back. Uh, and so I convinced some people to allow me to coach and be the AD. And when we went to go hire a football coach, and I'd been a, the entire time I'd been a wrestling coach, I was an assistant football coach, and a lot of that was at the varsity level. And uh, I, uh, we went to try to hire a football coach, and we offered it to a couple di different people. Uh, no one would take it because of insecurity with um, the job market at that time, with people worrying about getting rift. And so um, it got to the point where we had some – uh, dads that wanted to coach it by uh, committee. Uh, and I said to the uh, vice principal who was kind of run, leading the process, I said, you know, these people can be on the bus, but they can't drive the bus. I mean, we can't have a coach by committee. And so what do you think about me trying that? And so I held actually both the head wrestling and head football and athletic director position for a few months. And then we were able to hire someone who, um, I was real comfortable taking taking over the um, the job for me. Uh, we were they were pretty successful that year um, and ended up I think third in the state in wrestling. And then uh, my first year as a head football coach, it's kind of funny we weren't very good uh, the previous four years, but we ended up going eleven and one that first year and making it to the semifinals and. Um, it was kind of a magical um, year for us. And so that transition, you know, um, I think my first couple of years as an AD, I thought very much like a coach. Um, and so I was trying to 
you know, problem solve the, my team, the athletic department. Um, and probably I would say one of the, the areas of growth that I've had is trying to look at what we do from a more holistic perspective, not just through a coach's eyes or through that bias, but also through what the students are experiencing as well as the parents. And so, um, you know, I, I spent two years or five years as a, a coach AD, and then um, I we, we made a decision to move back here to Portland, uh, the Portland area, I should say. And so I took a job in, at Cleveland High School. Uh, which is in um, inner Southeast Portland. Uh, and then uh, last year I had the opportunity to make it again, kind of take a, a change in roles and go from a TOSA or teacher on special assignment into being an, uh, an administrator as well. So I'm an assistant principal as well as um, the athletic director. So most of my job has to do with athletics, but uh, I'm doing a lot with teaching and learning and, you know, especially now with um, we're kind of on hold with athletics. I'm trying to work on some stuff over here on the side while I'm picking up some uh, some responsibilities from the other assistant principals and administrators here because they are right now up to their nose and trying to navigate this digital um, virtual educational uh, uh, landscape that we're uh, engaged in right now. Uh, it sounds like a great journey. You've got to see, you know, different parts of the state uh, and well, as well as work with, you know, a lot of different people. Um, in our profession, we always talk about the importance of leadership and mentorship. And I'm curious, who were some of your mentors, uh, either as, you know, coaches or people that you worked for or worked with, um, folks that you can still hear their voice today as you talk with your coaches or your teams? Yeah, you know, as as a coach, I mean, obviously, my high school coaches um, were tremendously um, influential and continued to be influential into my career. And I just had, I, I was blessed um, as a, a young coach to, I got hired at Sandy High School uh, right out of college. And um, I went to work for a man named Don McCarty, who at one point was the Dean of Coaches in the state of Oregon. And he just, I, to this day, I've never been a part of a program where people just had such a love for being a part of that program. And I've been a part of really good programs uh, since and, and coached for um, a, a man named uh, Craig Rooker, who um, has won over 300 games here in Oregon, which is really hard with, you know, limit of 14 games a year um, from start to finish if you win the state title. Uh, and so, um, you know, but Don really gave me the, the foundation for everything that I did in my programs from there on out. And then I was able to learn from uh, Craig Rooker um, and still do talk to him today. He's retired now, but, uh, and then I, you know, something that I did that I I'm still continue to do um, is that I try to reach out to people outside of my, especially as a coach, because we, we look at football or wrestling or basketball as a finite game, right? We're in competition with one another, which really from my level now, I kind of look at it more from an infinite game that we're really, it's not a, a zero 
some game that we can all grow and get something out of this regardless of, of the score at the end of the night. But um, I, I developed this habit where I try to go outside of my area and find somebody that was doing what I wanted to do and engage them in, in you know, trying to pick their brain. And I've always found that when you do that as a coach, and, and I um, did that with the Tirapellis in Clovis, California, with Dave Kroll um, in uh, Nazareth, Pennsylvania, um, for, for wrestling, uh, for football, Dale Mueller in uh, uh, Northern Kentucky, Rick Darlington in Apopka, Florida, um, uh, Randy Jackson in, in uh, the Metroplex in uh, uh, Texas. And I still have those relationships with those people today where we, they can ask me questions and I, I can get them. And, you know, like Randy always jokes, uh, you know, he's so far away from home, he feels like he could give you a social security number and, and nothing would happen to him, you know. And I carried that into being an AD. And so Dave Hood was, uh, who's the president of the OADA now, um, and he's retired from his job at, uh, in the Bend Lapine School district uh, but you know he helped me a tremendous amount as a really young ad um, the person that preceded me brent walsh um, i called him all the time and he wasn't even working in our district anymore and and he helped me a tremendous amount and i think one of the cool learnings that i've had as an ad that is our colleagues you know yeah they're the people that work with us in the building but really the people that we um we work with are the other ADs and we've been going through that right now. I got a text last night asking me to reach out to all these ADs to see what are you doing right now with your kids and we can talk about where we're at with COVID here in a little bit. But um, if we were all in some sort of finite game where we're trying to beat each other and this and that, um, we wouldn't be able to have those relationships. And so understanding that Anytime I can help out another AD by moving the game time or by, you know, trying to be a good host or, you know, dealing with an issue that she or he may have with a parent, you know, those are the things. Actually, that's one of the best parts of our job, I think, is when we're able to help each other out. So. Oh, I'd agree 100 percent. I think as coaches, you know, we tend to uh, keep things close to the vest. You know, we don't want to give away any of those trade secrets. And as ADs, it's just the opposite. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's a very, very collegial uh, profession. Um, you know, you've been AD now for, um, we'll say, a few years. And, uh, you know, it used to be, you know, we would ask the question, well, how has the, the job of an AD changed in the last 20 years? Well, you know, that's too big of a chunk. Uh, let's narrow it down, you know, maybe just 10 years or uh, since you moved from Redmond. How has the day-to-day -day routine for you changed as an athletic administrator in the past few years? You know, I would say um, that's an interesting question. I, I think that when I was probably uh, just starting out as a coach or even back when I was in, in high school, you know, the AD was at every single event, not that we're not now, but, um, you know, it was a lot of being an event manager. Um, uh, and, and, you know, there was some oversight, but I think over the, over my career, both as a coach and then obviously as an athletic director, the importance of not just being a manager, but being a leader 
uh, and leading and, and um, helping develop coaches and, you know, set a direction for the athletic uh, department as a whole and, and getting on people on board with that vision has, has continued to develop and um, uh, become more important in a bigger part of the job. And I think as we um, have kind of embraced the idea of education-based athletics and, um, you know, trying to find ways to get people to buy into that. Because, um, uh, you know, I mean, we watch ESPN, we love sports, so we're watching college football, we're watching um, the NBA, you know, those sorts of things. And those are, you know, either quasi or fully professional sports. And it's a little different than what we're trying to do at, at, at our level. And, uh, you know, uh, that's a hard sell sometimes, but, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, we're passionate about and uh, it's, it's very um, rewarding, I think, to, to uh, when you make those gains um, uh, with kids or with coaches. And so, um, you know, and, and then obviously the, um, I, I just, I told a coach this yesterday, actually my counterpart at Lake Oswego High School, he's new this year. And I, I told him, I, I said, you know, as a as a coach and even early on as an ad i kind of uh i was a little bit like uh uh i I think of alexander the great uh when he uh went off to conquer the known world he cut the gordian knot he didn't uh, have a committee and run a survey and uh, ask permission here and there. He just did it, right? And so a little bit of that, you know, ready, fire, aim uh, type of attitude. And I think that there's a place and time for that, but understanding um, the importance of compliance, understanding the importance of um, getting opinions. I, I was much more, uh, especially early on as a, my first couple of years as an AD is that I was gonna set the direction everyone's going to get on board. And now I'm much more collaborative. I sent out a flip meeting yesterday to my coaches um, where we had our year, our kickoff uh, meeting, which I just recorded myself for 30 minutes going over kind of what I saw last year, my first year here at Lake Ridge, an assessment of what are the areas that we need to address and, and how we're going to address that. And then setting up, um, uh, process for uh, developing a strategic plan for our athletic department here at Lake Ridge and, you know, having a youth sports summit as part uh, and, and then, you know, how we're going to involve student athletes, how we're going to involve the coaches in that, and then, um, you know, how we're going to involve other key stakeholders in, in that process. And so that wouldn't have been something I was all that interested in doing, uh, you know, nine years ago. Um, but it's, you know, something that I'm committed to now, and, and I think it's for the better. Oh, yeah, I think we all, uh, you know, go through those uh, growth experiences, some of the things you're talking about. I can see it like it's yesterday with myself uh, as a younger mm-hmm. AD. Um, we talked a little bit about COVID. Let's go ahead and uh, get that out there. Uh, one thing we've seen is that there is no single best practice. Uh, We've seen a variety of responses across the country and sometimes even within uh, states. Um, Understanding that, you know, this is late August when we're talking right now and this isn't gonna air uh, until, uh, um, when is this gonna air? October 2nd. Um, What's happening right now in Oregon? What's happening right now in uh, your district? 
You know, where we're at right now, we just came out of um, uh, the summer. And so in Oregon, uh, the uh, OSAA's association year typically goes from uh, the Memorial Day in the spring until um, our first day of practice. And so we actually should have had practice last week on the 17th for the first day, first official practice for us. Um, the OSAA changed that. It's actually the 31st, which is Monday. And so we have shifted all of our um, organized sports seasons beginning with winter to um, January um, for seven weeks, a seven week season, and then we'll have fall sports and then follow that up with spring sports. Um, and so there'll be some overlapping on all of those sports. Um, so we're about to go into what we call season one. Um, and season one is going to be basically like the summer, but it's during the association year. All coaches have to be certified. Um, all players have to have a physical. And, and for our district, um, when we reach that point where we're going to allow that to happen, um, we'll go ahead and uh, require all the kids to uh, and their parents to complete online registration and all that. Um, some local districts are allowing their teams to start on Monday. They're handling it in a, a number of different ways. Some of them, it's just kind of, you know, the Wild West, um, and they're treating it like the summer. So if basketball is going, or if um, right now we can't actually in, in the high risk uh, sports such as football, wrestling, basketball, lacrosse, um, rugby, those aren't allowed to have any full contact, but they could have uh, drills where they could, you know, pass the ball, shooting drills, those sorts of things. Um, our state, for some reason, has categorized um, seven-on-seven football as a medium risk, so it can take place outside, which obviously you play football outside, at least here. Um, and we're not Texas with indoor practice facilities and things like that yet, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, so that's sort of where we're at. Um, in our district, we put a pause on that uh, for a couple of different reasons that has more to do with education. And um, the governor basically set um, very strict uh, metrics in terms of what the testing rate has to be in order for us to allow students into the building. And even though athletics doesn't have to fit into that, there was a feeling that we needed to really get a handle on what that looked like before we were inviting student athletes back in. So I'm hopeful right now, like I said, I, I was doing research last night on where everyone else is at in our area. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, putting together some information for our school district cabinet and they're discussing that. And I'm hoping that within the next couple of weeks, we can offer some activities for our student athletes. I think you're muted or I'm a professional at this. Um, <laughs> you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's so tough. And, and we talked about this earlier about the, just uh, the unknown uh, in Florida, the normal start date for fall sports, football, volleyball, et cetera, is, uh, this year would have been July 27th. And there were schools that were down in the South part of the state, Miami, Dade, Broward County, uh, that hadn't even been back to campus uh, since they closed in March for COVID. And so, you know, our schools up in the Panhandle and other parts, you know, we've been doing summer activities and 
So we ended up delaying the start of fall sports to uh, August 24th. Uh, but some schools, again, still have not even been back. So um, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, let's go and shift gears a little bit. Um, what are some of the favorite uh, parts of being the athletic director at Lake Ridge? You know, what gets you excited about coming to work each day? You know, um, I think for me, and that's one of the things that we don't get quite so much, it's uh, right now with, you know, as an administrator, I'm in the building every day, but our teachers aren't here. They're telecommuting. Uh, maybe that's an outdated term now. They're virtually uh, commuting, whatever. Um, you know, but that daily interaction with with teachers, with coaches, with kids, with parents, um, you know, I, I that's one of the wonderful things about the job. I think um, the way that no matter how organized or, you know, how much you plan, that every day is going to be different. And that, uh, you know, yeah, we build a routine into what we do, but um, that there's as much as things uh, stay the same, things change. And so there's no boredom in what we do at all. Um, I love the flexibility of what we do too. Um, and as a TOSA, um, both at Cleveland and at Redmond, it was a much more flexible job, um, but it was really nice um, to not have like a, a firm schedule. And I'm in, I would say probably a few more meetings now than I used to be. Um, so not as flexible, um, but uh, it's still a really flexible job. And, uh, you know, it's demanding. Uh, I've had multiple superintendents and principals say it's the toughest job they've ever had. Um, so uh, I, I, I don't know what that says about us or being a principal or a superintendent, uh, but uh, you know, uh, those, are, those are the things. I love um, that, uh, like I said, the collegial uh, relationship um, and, and the symbiosis maybe that we have with other athletic directors working with one another. Um, and being able to help each other out is really rewarding. And then, you know, when, when you're able to, uh, not being able to coach anymore, you lose that sort of, uh, the, the real more personal um, interactions with kids. And so when you're able to help a kid, you know, and I, I'm thinking about a couple of different times where we had a student, I, I'm thinking about back when, when I was at Redmond, we had a student athlete who I was, um, who hadn't been attending classes. Um, we caught it through an attendance report, went to the coach, said that he, he, need, he can't play today. Uh, and I, was, I hadn't had a chance to talk with the kid and I was really kind of mad at him. Uh, one of our best athletes in the school. And I went and was talking to an assistant coach and I kind of made a comment um, he said, yeah, with everything he's going through. And I, I said, well, talk to me about that. What, what's going on? And his mom had moved to Missouri and just left him. Uh, didn't give him any money, didn't set him up with a place to stay, didn't have anyone to watch him. So he was living on one of our graduates' couch. Um, and so I'm like, oh, you know, I had no, why didn't anyone tell me this, number one? Uh, and so we were able to go get, you know, we're get, 
uh, get him declared an unaccompanied student under the McKinney-Vento law and was able to get him set up with food and found a place for him to live and transportation and other things like that. And, um, you know, it's things like that where you're able to really uh, help and impact a kid's uh, life. It's really um, rewarding. Um, so probably be about it doesn't get much better than that so yeah oh no they, they you know people outside our profession would call those small victories but you and i know those are the those are the huge ones uh you know when you can help a kid or um a parent comes in and they're just steaming and uh you know you're able to uh, 15 20 30 minutes later have them walk out the door and they're feeling a lot better whether mm -hmm. they got their way or not you know at least they uh they got it off their chest you know those uh, it's part of the job, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's um, you know, it's not going to go away. So if, if you're not ready for it, maybe you shouldn't be an AD, but uh, obviously right. you're doing a great job. Well, Nate, this is just flown by, uh, but we're not done yet. Okay. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you're a, a successful athletic director, and I'm tasking you with sending out a brand new AD on their very first job. But I'm only gonna let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are gonna go in Nathan Stanley's athletic director toolbox? I think the first thing would be perspective. Um, I think something that served me really well um, uh, in my career as a, uh, an athletic director is the ability to understand what I can control and what I can't. Uh, and trying to maintain that perspective. And, and there's all sorts of lessons that I've learned over time. And um, one thing I've learned is that it's also, uh, it's state dependent. So it's a state, not a trait, uh, because with my children, uh, I am not as stoic as I am in my job uh, as an athletic director. But I think it's really helped me from a mental health uh, perspective. I know one of the things that we combat as a profession is burnout um, and, you know, people leaving the profession after a short period of time. I think something like 30% of the athletic directors uh, in the state of Oregon were new last year to their positions. And of course, that includes me um, being somebody that has been doing it for a while. Um, but uh, so it may be, but I'm guessing probably 20% were brand new ADs. And so that's a lot of turnover. And I think a big part of that is that we personalize performance um, and uh, as opposed to being able to separate what we do from who we are. Um, and so I think perspective is really important. Um, I would say uh, the second thing is um, I, I'd throw out there servant leadership. Um, and whether you're trying to be a transfer, you know, when you get into looking at this saying transformational leader or servant leader, you know, like some of us, they're synonyms, right? Other people, they'll, they'll argue with us that they're complete and total different concepts, but, but you know, understanding what kind of a leader you want to be, um, and then being intentional about doing that. So, you know, for me, both as an administrator and as a, a uh, as an athletic director, I, I've tried to commit and create accountability partners with uh, my people that I'm working with that I'm trying to be a servant leader. And so um, by saying that out loud, 
um, I don't want you to beat me with it, but remind me if I'm not doing it, you know, have the courtesy to pat me on the back when I'm doing a good job and the respect to tell me when I'm not. And uh, so then the last thing I think would be, so if we talked about perspective and then uh, understanding uh, leadership, I think the last thing would be, and I had it in my head and it just flew out, but uh, you know, I think that last thing would be, um, uh, I think Nassim Nicholas Taleb calls it anti-fragile. He wrote a whole book about it. But I think, and this kind of goes into, um, it feeds in the other two, uh, when people criticize us or they come at us or they come after a coach or whatever it is, I think instead of thinking about how do I uh, react to this or how do I do that, I, I try, I've tried to um, say, how can I make this a growth opportunity and get better from this? And so the idea of being anti-fragile is that it's not fragility and then robustness, you know, um, it's actually anti-fragility is the opposite of fragility. And so the idea is that as, as we uh, get beaten up by something or we make a mistake or someone uh, criticizes us, to take that and make ourselves stronger as a result, um, I think is something that um, a couple years ago I started doing and all of a sudden, uh, girls soccer parent emailing me about conditions at Powell Park didn't become like a criticism of myself. It was an opportunity for me to get better and to make the program better. And so I've kind of looked at those two things and uh, I, I, I know that as a result, uh, I'm, I'm better as an AD today than I was three years ago. And, um, you know, in three years, I'm going to be better at what I do than I am right now. And so uh, it's a little bit growth mindset, a little bit uh, anti-fragility, but I think that those th three things, you know, uh, uh, you know, perspective, understanding of, of your leadership and what you want to do, what your purpose is, and then um, being anti-fragile are, are three important concepts. Oh, I love it. Uh, I picked up something new. I'm going to be looking up that anti-fragility when we're done. Uh, reminds me of, makes me think about being resilient, you know, uh, you know, mm -hmm. coming back. Great stuff. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I didn't mention this, but thank you also for being a member of our uh, presentation faculty back in April when we had our state conference, one of the few and first uh, virtual conferences uh, across the country. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. It's uh, stuff like this is fun to do and it's good to reach out. And, um, you know, I got an email uh, the other, actually just yesterday from a, uh, someone, I don't even know where they're from, wanting to talk about core values. They had read something that I had written. And uh, it's fun because one, you get to share with people and two, it, it makes you uh, review and analyze what you're doing. And, and, you know, I wrote this back then. And, you know, so yeah, you got to live, uh, walk the talk, so to speak. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, best of luck in Oregon as uh, things continue to progress. Um, and again, uh, you know, this is going to air on October 2nd. Hopefully we'll see you in person uh, down in Tampa in December at the national conference. That's the goal. That's the goal, right? Well, so take it easy. 
Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, wash your hands so we can all go. So That's right. Yeah. Don't mess this up for the rest of us. That's right. Well, to our listeners, thank you, as always, for uh, tuning in. Come back again next time for another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD Podcast. I want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.